0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. And I'm Emily. And if you're new here, this is the podcast where we talk about another podcast. We love Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, and we love the conversations it inspires between us, and we decided why deprive the world of our thoughts? Because clearly that's what the world needs more of. Duh. So we listen to episodes of Glennon Doyle's podcast, and you should too, but even if you don't, you might get something out of listening to us talk about the episodes. (laughs) So welcome. Glad you're here.
1: And please stick around.
0: Yes. Um, Quote of the week today, I just pulled it up, and I saved this before I started listening to it. Mm -hmm. It says, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Oof. And folks, today's episode is one that if you have a bingo board at home – first of all, where the hell did you get it from? (laughs) Second of all, we love you. But it is, you cannot use it in this today's episode because Mm -hmm. all the pod things buzzwords are in this episode. It's about embodiment. Yeah. And we love it so much that we'll probably end up doing a second part on it. So who, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Short answer, no. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No. And that's the essence of this episode. And it's giving me Jane Fonda episode mm-hmm. vibes. And it's giving me um, Trisha Hersey vibes. Yes. And it's all of these concepts. Sonia Renee Taylor. Sonia Renee Taylor, yes. All of these concepts that we've been talking about for the last however many months we've been doing this, mm-hmm. all wrapped up in one. And it's it's pretty... It's pretty interesting, it to is me. and and hard and good in all the best ways. it
1: really made clearer to me what embodiment is mm. because I have a habit sometimes of interchanging embodiment and self actualization and they're not
0: exactly the same okay, Can I confess something? hmm I'm not 100% on what self-actualization actually means. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, since until recently I was using it interchangeably with embodiment, (laughs) apparently I'm not either. I think self-actualization is when you feel totally aligned with your best and favorite
0: self. I always thought because that's on the Maslow's hierarchy, right? Isn't it the, is it the bottom thing in Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Or is it the top? I think it's the top. Maybe it's the it top It should one. be the top. I think I it's the top like. one. Yeah. I always thought it was like when you make, when you achieve, mm-hmm. when you make your dreams come true, when you have actualized the things that you want to do, that you want to accomplish on your own. So now I just Googled it. Which is sort of, I don't think that's totally different.
1: No, than- I don't think it is
0: either. But it's but it's also not embodiment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, self-actualization in Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the highest level of psychological development where personal potential is fully realized after bo- basic bodily and ego needs have been fulfilled. Self-actualization is is like enlightenment is what it sounds like the highest level of psychological development where personal potential is fully realized after. So it does seem pretty aligned with embodiment, but no, because I think, okay. Personal potential is fully realized after basic body. I don't think you can be self-actualized
1: without being embodied. exactly. But I think you can be embodied without being self-actualized.
0: So you fully realize basic body and ego needs. So embodiment is essential for actualization. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it seems like here.
1: I'm not totally sold on the idea that self-actualization is achievable. Yeah. I mean, really. (laughs) But embodiment is, is. At least for part of the time.
0: Yeah. So this says that the term was originally introduced by Kurt Goldstein, a physician specializing in neuroanatomy and psychiatry it's the ultimate goal of all organisms be all behaviors and drives are manifestations of this overarching motivation
1: yeah i think it's kind of like the brass ring like you keep chasing it but the, the idea th- is not to reach it the, the brass idea ring? is to keep chasing it
0: i'm not familiar with that can you please
1: oh it's just a metaphor okay. you've never heard of the metaphor like reaching for the brass ring Mm-mm.
0: dangling a carrot i think it means essentially the same thing but yeah where does the brass ring come from is it like a a triathlon or a not a triathlon what's that relay race um i don't think that's a ring right that's a baton yeah you're right that's passing the baton That's a different completely different analogy If anyone out there knows the origination of Brass Ring.
1: Well, maybe it's my turn to get on Wikipedia.
0: Okay. I'll put a plug for emailing us later then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A prize or goal that someone strives for.
0: Okay. I still would like to know where it originated from, but that's just because of who I am as a person. So embodiment, self-actualization, all of the buzzwords. The episode that we are covering today is called How to Follow the Wisdom of Your Body with Dr. Hilary McBride. And it comes to us on May 9th of this year. So it's a relatively recent one. And I feel like they talk about a lot of the books and things that Hillary McBride, has, Dr. Hillary McBride has written. That's something at the beginning of the episode, or did I mix that up with some other thing that I listened to?
1: It is not something that I retained. Okay. (laughs) I mean, they usually do introduce a full biography of the person's achievements or brass rings, (laughs) if you will.
0: Yes. She's got got a podcast. She's got books. And I think The Wisdom of Your Body is her most recent book. Mm -hmm. She also has podcasts. So we're definitely going to be... I was listening to that.
1: Right. And she's got such a nice voice. She too. really
0: does. She's got And you know what's so weird to me too, not weird, but like interesting mm-hmm. is her voice somehow transmits whatever good energy she has. Mm-hmm. At least to me when I'm listening to it, I'm not in I'm not physically in the same space as her, but I feel calmer. It reminded more regulated me listening to her.
1: of Caitlin Curtis, and I don't know if oh, they actually sound the same maybe, or if it just felt the same in my body.
0: See what I did yes. just now? Yes, and even that episode mm-hmm. was about embodiment yeah. and being in our body and reconnecting mm-hmm. with our body and how important that is for divinity and wholeness and, and mental health, community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. We're really on to something here, guys. So the first thing I have written down was recovery was focused on image, not on the actual fear. And that was something Glennon had, I think, said. Was that about the cliffs? That is where she kind of Uh led into the cliffs. Yeah. That, I don't know why I put that at the top because that was not actually the first, I must have accidentally put that we're going to jump back to that later so dr mcbride though talks about which i'm going to call her hillary because she gave glennon permission to call her hillary Mm -hmm. so i hope that that's a blanket permission um hillary says we're not just a mind Mm -hmm. and we're not just a body we are equal parts a mind with a body and a body with a mind Mm -hmm. so the mind needs to be able to feel the body and the body needs to be able to Access the mind right, and utilize the mind, and some of us have spent our whole lives doing everything we can to distance ourselves from our bodies from one reason or another mm-hmm. and this is giving me patriarchy vibes yes. and religious trauma vibes, and they do go into that a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think all of these reasons why we become disembodied to begin with are not going to be a surprise to anyone because if we haven't talked about it. On the show, we've thought about it, mm-hmm. and they've thought about it. Do you? What do you? What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, no matter who you are, the body is a fearful place to be.
0: Mm.
1: That's where mm-hmm. sickness happens. Yeah, she says that's yeah. where death happens. Mm-hmm. So, the idea that we can just exist in our minds, or that the body is something temporary and your mind, your spirit, Mm. whatever essence, in whatever way you want to define it, that is your true self. Yeah. We can understand where these ideas have appealed to people and still appeal to people. Yeah.
0: And that was something else I was thinking about when she was – with one of the things she was saying was our bodies are often way difficult for us to control Mm -hmm. because we – have the sensations. We feel the things. And yes, that's where pleasure lives. And that's where hap- like happiness and, and good pleasure comfort mm-hmm. lives. But it's also where discomfort and pain lives. And the stimuli of pain is difficult to ignore.
1: And we've created, I think, a society where discomfort lives there a whole All lot more often yeah. than joy mm. or some of those other things. Maybe if there were more room for those things, we would all be more embodied.
0: Well, and what do we know about the brain? It it, it stores painful and uncomfortable experiences deeper into the memory. Mm-hmm. That's like our biological code for survival, which really fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Because anything associated with pain or discomfort or grieving or whatever, is gonna immediately get like quick routed to be remembered. Mm-hmm. And I am so, I'm so obsessed with this word remember today. It's gonna make, gonna like tunnel its way into storage in a deeper and more accessible way than any of the good things that we mm-hmm. feel. And I fucking hate that. I know. I, I know. hate that. This is bull. Where's the manager? That's what I'm waiting to know. We have been waiting for the manager. I'm starting to think the manager doesn't exist. No, that can't be it. (laughs) (laughs) Surely we're not being duped.
1: (laughs) One thing that I did like, because if you'll recall, very recently I was talking about how often I have noticed in parenthood that I completely disassociate from the chaos Mm -hmm. that is going on around me Mm -hmm. and how I feel some guilt about that. Mm -hmm. And she talks in here about how...
0: Disassociation—it can be a gift. Yes. Yes. This is IFS. This it is, is survival. This is attachment theory. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is essential. It has kept us alive. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. Everyone can have a little disassociation as a <laughs> for treat. a treat. <laughs> but it's true, it, and and that's a lot of times when we are listening to these episodes, or we're talking about these things, or we're working on it in therapy, or whatever. We're like, how do I get rid of this thing? Or how do I, we do like that. Like an all or nothing. Fall- exactly. Mm-hmm. And that black and white fallacy and that um, single thing, like something has to be good and something has to be bad, mm-hmm. that it is just ridiculously difficult to get on board with this whole dialectics of two things can be true at the same mm-hmm. time. A little bit of disassociation is okay. A little bit of conflict or not really trauma, Laura, but like <laughs> a little tiny bit of trauma, like a little, little, Smallest T trauma is okay because Mm -hmm. it teaches resilience. Yeah. We can't eliminate all of the things that just don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. because that's how we grow.
1: Yeah. And also, it's impossible to get rid of all those things. Right. So imagining that we can is just setting ourselves up to be let down by ourselves, yeah, to feel disappointed, to feel like we're failing in some way. Just wasted energy mm-hmm. that we could
0: direct somewhere
1: else. Yeah. So I am not going to mom shame myself anymore Yay! when I disassociate from my kids when Literally, they are being you. maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to mom shame me, whoever you are out there who might be <laughs> thinking that, then you come over here before 7 a.m. and stay in your body.
0: I fucking dare you. <laughs> Show me how it's done. I wish you would. <laughs> um. Okay, so this goes into where Glennon talks about the cliff, and she's always been afraid of the cliff. And when she would tell someone that, they would go, "Oh." Well, let's just look at pictures of the cliff. Mm-hmm. So she's not, but she's not actually afraid of the cliff. She's afraid of falling off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And so then when she tells her her practitioners that, they say, well, let's just look at this cliff and show you that cliff's not scary. The but it's not the cliff that she's scared of. It's the act of falling. And what does she do about that? And then Hillary says, you're not going to get rid of the falling, mm-hmm. and the fear. Is is there because it is necessary. It's not about how to avoid jumping or falling off the cliff. Mm -hmm. It's about how to do it safely. Right. Learning how to do it safely. And that was a mind-busting moment for me. Because it never was that serious. Mm -hmm. It never was about denying the fear or or the badness of falling off the cliff. Mm Mm-hmm falling off the cliff is inevitable. And the sooner that we accept that and learn how to navigate it, Mm -hmm. the freer we are right? and the more embodied we are.
1: I have come to such a greater understanding of eating disorder recovery Mm -hmm. because of Glennon Doyle. Mm -hmm. I never really and truly understood, and I still don't really and truly understand in the way that someone who hasn't personally experienced it could. But I never understood until she said it, it's not that I'm uncomfortable with the body that I have. It is that I am uncomfortable having
0: a body. Mm -hmm. And I get that. Yeah. And and it goes back to feeling things is really difficult. And Mm -hmm. Unavoidable. It
1: can be really inconvenient.
0: And yes. To, to
1: clunk convenient. around in a body all the time. <laughs> this is
0: ah, you know what this is making me think of. This is making me think of last week hmm. where you were like, I wish we could just communicate solely through writing.
1: Yeah. Can't we streamline all of these things?
0: No. <laughs> it's a little bit of both, right? Mm-hmm. Because we can't be in our bodies all the time we can't be in our brains all the time. We can't be just spouting out whatever nonsense comes Mm -hmm. into our head without actually doing some thought behind how what I'm about to say might impact someone. But we also, there is times when we need to speak Mm -hmm. with whatever tool we have available, whether that's with our voices or with our hands or with an AAC, which is another, like, a speech device, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we have to be... Sometimes expression has to be spontaneous. Emoting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, Glennon asks that question, if I am in a body that historically has not been safe to be in, Mm -hmm. how is it a good idea for me to be embodied? Because isn't that just putting me in harm's way? Mm -hmm. And... She mentions it, and it's it's something we've talked about here, too, where some bodies have been afforded more safety than others. Mm-hmm. Historically, black and brown bodies, trans bodies, native bodies, mm-hmm. women. But I think there's men, too. I think everyone's body has at some point been conditioned to feel unsafe. What I am wrestling with in my head is how this idea of safety is such a integral part of why we are the way that we are and Mm -hmm. what we do. It informs everything for us. Our development. Mm -hmm. It comes back to safety. When I think about conflict and why we get into conflict or what to do during conflict Mm -hmm. or what's the best way to diffuse conflict or whatever. When it all comes back to is safety. Mm -hmm. Somebody feels to some level unsafe. It may not be physically. It may be emotionally. Mm -hmm. It may not be red alert, like category 10 unsafe, Mm -hmm. but something doesn't feel right Whether it's they're not being seen, they're not being heard, nobody's paying attention to the things that they have been asking people to pay attention to, whatever it is, something is missing Mm -hmm. and that feels unsafe. Yeah. And if we can bring awareness to that and figure out what we need to do to make it safe and to accommodate that and meet those needs, the conflict resolves Mm -hmm. and everyone's better for it. But doing that with our bodies (laughs) is confusing. Yeah. And I don't remember in
1: what way Caitlin addressed Mm. that question. But the thought that I'm having about it is if because historically it has been unsafe Mm. for groups of people who inhabit certain bodies, that they've retreated into – their mind and withdrawn from being embodied, doesn't that in some ways put them at greater risk? Because your body is what senses Mm -hmm. danger. Your body is what... You need to be in your body to some degree to know when you have that feeling in your gut or to know when the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up, Mm -hmm. to know when something... About the energy in this room doesn't
0: feel right in my body. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you say Caitlin, do you mean Hillary? Yes. Okay, just wanted to check. I won't bring it up again, but I just wanted to make sure I was understanding. Sorry, Hillary. No, you, you say whatever. <laughs> well, I guess I can't I can't excuse you on behalf of Hillary. But um there's I have two things to say about that. Mm-hmm. One, she talks about embodying being this process of learning how to be okay with the fear, because fear is there. Just the same as as disassociation. Fear yes, it's not is not going anywhere for good reason. Mm-hmm. But how much weight do we let it hold over us? And then, but then your question was, you can't be disassociated from feeling that because that's a warning sign.
1: Yeah. If, so it's not completely the,
0: safe to be either way. Yeah, it's nuanced. Darn it, man! I was really hoping for an easier answer than that, but. <laughs> I think there's something to be said in this. How much weight do we give it? Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is something I've kind of been working on in my own therapy, the protector. And instead of constantly trying to quiet the protector mm-hmm. or tell her to stop being so unreasonable or we're good, we've got this, you're not needed, mm-hmm. giving them a seat at the table And saying, hey, I hear you. I am so glad that you're here. And I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. Thank you. Let's proceed with this information and a plan Mm -hmm. knowing that this is is a thing. And also, your voice gets as much volume Mm -hmm. as anyone else's. Yeah. No less, but no more. So in Glennon's example of the cliff's,
1: it's like you're showing that part of yourself, these pictures of mm. all these cliffs saying, isn't this a nice cliff? Doesn't this look safe? Mm-hmm. All, all cliffs, cliffs are beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> and that part of you is going, you're not hearing anything right, so I'm that scream I'm scream trying a little louder. to say. Mm. Yeah. Man, that's. When you put that Fuck. in terms of recovery and what's effective treatment or ineffective treatment, that's huge.
0: And, you know, that's just that's not just but that's acknowledgement and validation. Mm-hmm. What do we know about people when they're distressed or grieving or whatever validating you're not crazy mm-hmm. this sucks goes a long way and often is just the thing to resolve the issue. Yeah. So it's this is this is anxiety. This is mm-hmm. that episode that we Started this whole shindig with. Are you aware (laughs) that we're all gonna die someday? Mm -hmm. Somebody else sees this, right? Please tell me I'm not the only one that sees this. Put away your pictures of the cliffs (laughs) and just talk to me about the obvious thing that's in the room, right? And let's so we can yes, there those are the the cliff is not the problem. Mm -hmm. The question is how how do I survive this? Mm -hmm. How do I survive the cliff? Yeah. How do I deal with grief? Yeah. A breakup, childbirth, waking up in the morning? Mm -hmm. How? And if we can come up with a plan around how, then all of that fear that's screaming to be heard because it's not being heard Mm -hmm. can be alleviated and it can go back to taking its own rest. Yeah. Because when our fear is active all the time, Physically, we know it's a fucking mess Mm -hmm. for our body. I am really embracing this internal family systems bit. Um, Laura and I even talk about it a lot in almost uh, every single time in therapy at this point that I see all of these feelings as people Mm -hmm. and how emotionally exhausting it must be for fear with a protector the family of fear mm-hmm. to just be on all the time and how stretched thin, maybe, and just exhausted, mm-hmm. and having compassion instead of disdain, yeah, for fear instead of going, oh my god. Which okay, back to Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Fear gets a bad rap because he's always like, ah, this thing's gonna happen but sometimes the things that he said were going to happen happen mm-hmm. and when he's validated and he's listened to he doesn't have to be this bundle of nerves all the time because he can rest knowing that his teammates have his back
1: okay for those of you who are writing the sequel to inside out justice for fear justice for fear
0: <laughs> the Bill fans Hater. demand it mm-hmm. yes amongst other things but i'm i just this this is a thing I'm going to be thinking about for a while, is, is fear deserves a place at the table. Mm-hmm. It's not a lie, but it's not the exclusive truth either. Ignoring or suppressing or not allowing the fear is just as disembodying as limiting any other emotion. Mm-hmm. And that was something else that Hillary had started talking about was if you're ignoring the fear that is there for a very good reason, you are disembodying. You are cutting off a part of what naturally and healthily resides in your body and saying you can't sit with us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's just as disembodying as if we limit our self-confidence right, or our ability to take up space physically mm-hmm. and emotionally. We have to figure out how our fear is telling the truth because it is telling the truth to some degree. Mm-hmm. So what part of this is true? Um, fear. i Wrote this, I'm relentless myself. Fear is a warning, not a death sentence. Mm-hmm. When we feel fear because we're gonna jump off the cliff, we assume that it's because we're gonna die at the end. Mm-hmm. But what if we don't? What if we jump, right? Knowing that we have planned for this and prepared for this and we have the tools and we can trust ourselves to make it through this experience. You want me to trust myself? Sounds, uh, fake. Uh,
1: Sounds fake. Sounds uh, fake. Fake enough. <F. laughs> yeah, that's that's a new for me, dog. I think it's so important to talk about that, though, because when you hear things like embodiment or self-actualization, they can conjure an image of someone who is totally zen, mm. unshakable, mm-hmm. that just exists. On a flat
0: mm-hmm. surface. Mm-hmm. Calm. Yes. Cool. Collected.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just still waters all the time. And that is neither
0: real. It's fucking fake. Yeah. That's fake news. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, or maybe it was earlier today, about the conflict that I've been experiencing the last day. It's not anything wild or crazy, but... um. And the way that I'm handling it. And you had said something along the lines of, I'm impressed with how calm you are because you could absolutely just go off on this person. Regulated. Re- yes, mm-hmm. and regulated. But then I thought, first of all, since when was I the calm one? <laughs> Second of all, it feels more like I, I'm i not not advocating for myself, but it also like – Am I being too cool? Am I being too numb? Maybe this person deserves a little heat. Hmm. Maybe this person deserves to be, and I did a little bit of that today. Yeah. I don't have to be over the top screaming and just every biting word that I could think of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yas queen after Yas queen, as my kid would say.
1: Well, and when we talk about whether or not this person deserves it, that's centering a person who is outside of you. Mm. And I think the question when it comes to regulation or embodiment is what feels like the authentic thing to you, for you?
0: Yeah. I have zero idea. Mm -hmm. And this is is a thing that I struggle with is – I don't know the balance. Yeah. of feeling feelings and not feeling them completely. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I think we I've talked about the quote from the song um everything I feel I feel insanely. Yeah. And I know that that's not the the end game. That's not self-actualization, but I I'm, I'm still struggling with knowing Which feelings align with my highest self, Mm -hmm. and I so I still try to default to just none, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know what to do with that still because, as and this is kind of goes can really transition into her talking about disembodying starting. With early experiences of denying our bodily knowings as kids. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not that our parents are just horrible, shitty people. That they were intentionally doing something wrong.
1: I wasn't even thinking about my parents. I was thinking about the things that I act on
0: to my own kids. Yeah, of course you were. Because you're very hard on yourself. Well,
1: I mean, it's just... And of course, the more recent experience. This
0: is true. This is true. That
1: I can grasp for.
0: The you're not hungry. Yeah. You're not, you don't have to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Or the noticing that someone around us is upset or sensing their feelings Mm -hmm. and them and saying, Oh, are you sad? And them saying, Oh, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And then putting on the mask of them being okay. And us going, oh, well, I really could – I could have fucking sworn mm-hmm. that that person was upset, but they say that they're fine, so I guess I know that I can't trust that feeling. That when I feel that way, I'm wrong. In, instead of maybe modeling for – because that's hard with a kid. That's hard. Like, how this much do you where, tell them?
1: This is where – this is where, as much as I love concepts like this, I – inevitably Mm -hmm. run into a wall. Mm -hmm. Because a recent thing with me and both of the kids is you got to wear shoes outside. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I know you don't want to wear shoes, but I want you to wear shoes Mm -hmm. because you could step on something. It could hurt you. Mm -hmm. I want you to have shoes on. Also, maybe I don't want your filthy (laughs) feet all over my house. (laughs) Do you say that? Because I wish you would. I mean, I say something <laughs> along those lines. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I am not going to stop telling them to wear shoes outside. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe the answer is making sure that I tell them why I'm insisting that they wear shoes.
0: Yeah. You know, I try to do that with similar things like that with Jack mm-hmm. earlier today. Man. First of all, we've been having a hard time getting the right dosage of ADHD meds, just like every other freaking neurodivergent family in the country. Mm -hmm. And right now he's very, he's like getting half the dose of Mm -hmm. his, of his strict uh, Detrona patch that he should be getting. And for Jack, that usually becomes really clear, After he comes home from school, when he's just this emotional, angry mess. And nine times out of ten, when Jack has had some sort of just absolute meltdown when they come home, I can trace it back to they haven't had their meds today. Mm -hmm. To the point where I have to ask – I have to remind myself to stop asking him that because I don't want him – because he's starting to catch on that if I'm upset, it's because – I I it's because I need medication to regulate my feelings and not using my tools. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool either. Um today he was so angry and he was on his phone and I wasn't even trying to be like responsible for his feelings. I wasn't trying to leave him alone with them if he wanted help, but I also wasn't t- making it my responsibility to make him feel better, like just letting him figure it out on his own. Mm-hmm. So I asked him to go in my room to play because he's doing a lot of yelling and and whatever and i was trying to take a nap because that's what i do and his room is right above the study where i have the world's best napping couch so he went back into my room and then i i could hear this like hard banging and i was like oh god here we go because jack's thing when he gets really upset is physical Mm -hmm. it's not to other people it's throwing something His glasses, for example, Mm -hmm. or his Kindle or whatever tablet is in his hand or his phone. So I go upstairs and I'm I'm like, Annalise, just because you're triggered doesn't mean you have to be dysregulated. Right. So you can go upstairs and you don't have to be like, what the fuck is going Mm -hmm. on here? You can just say, hey, I hear some stuff. Are you okay? Yeah. Can I help you? Sounds like you might be mad. He, as soon as he hears me start coming up the stairs, he goes, I already know what you're going to say. And I was like, okay, well, what do you? what is it that you think I, I should be saying? And he was like, you want to know why I'm being so physical or why I'm slamming the, the floor. And I was like, well, yeah, it's loud, but I also just kind of wanted to make sure that you were okay and see if there's anything I could do to help you. I'm like, here, put this pillow down and you can like hit the pillow instead and it'll it'll cushion. It'll give you the sensory feedback that you need, but maybe it won't be so loud that it echoes through the house. And then I watch him slam his phone down to test it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All that cool, zen, regulated, self-actualized mom went out the fucking window. I was like, is that what you're slamming on the floor? And he was like, what? And I was like, you're slamming your phone. You're not, this isn't just you hitting a fist on the floor. This is your phone. Mm -hmm. What the hell,
1: man? Like. Okay. I'm not saying I got it. (laughs) But I might have it. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. But this, but then this goes into that. I was like, do
1: not do that. And he's like, why? Well, we were talking, we were talking about how it's not about always being in your body or always being in your mind. It's about knowing When do I need to do this thing or that thing? And when you're about to do something that's going to hurt you, maybe that's a time when you need to be more in your mind than in the sensation of rage that you feel in your body that makes you want to do something
0: physical. But like explaining to him, how many times I've explained to him, why? Why can't I punch the banister? Mm -hmm. Or why can't I throw my glasses or whatever. And we had that then same discussion, literally 45 seconds later, mm-hmm. when he runs into his room and I hear him start slamming stuff in his room. And I'm like, I, okay, okay. Ah, you can do your thing. And I'm not trying to smother you, but also you're, you being in there unsupervised, I have no idea what, what is happening. You could be hurting yourself, and whatever. So I go in and I lay down on his bed mm-hmm. and he's like, no, I can't say the things I want to say. Cause you're here. And I was like, I, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to lay here. I'm not even going to look at you. You won't even be able to see me. I just need to be in the room with you because I know that you're upset and you're getting your feelings out. And I want, I just want to make sure that you're okay. So then he takes his glasses and he throws his glasses. And I was like, stop, (laughs) you can't throw your glasses. Why? They're only 15 bucks. And I was like, listen, you little shit. (laughs) I didn't say that, but it doesn't matter if you, think that $15, yes, they're relatively cheap. I just bought them and I would like to spend $15 on something else. So it doesn't even matter when I explain to him why you can't, why I am asking you to put shoes on when you Mm -hmm. go outside, not to throw things, not to slip. How could you not know that slamming your fucking phone on the ground is going to do something bad to it? The only reason you have that phone is because somebody gave it to us for free. But what we can probably
1: assume is that He does know that.
0: Yes. You know,
1: he's smart. In that moment, he wasn't being embodied because being embodied is about a harmony between your body and your Mm. brain. And in that moment, his brain was out of the building. Clearly. Lost your mind. So it's not disembodying to correct someone when their body Mm. is doing something without any awareness from their brain. That's where I think I have arrived.
0: How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> How do you find that balance because I really you would think as a Libra that I would be more on top of this.
1: Well, you know that when you're in your downstairs brain, yes. you know what to do to get into your upstairs brain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I guess again this this does kind of then go back to the whole medication thing too. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I don't want my kid to use that as an excuse. And I don't want anyone thinking they need to be drugging anyone into compliance. But also, if your brain's not making the right chemicals, then it's going to be a struggle for you to get out of the downstairs brain and into the upstairs brain.
1: Yeah. When we try to make it all one or the other, Mm. we're backing ourselves into that same corner.
0: You mean I can't automate this?
1: You told me no. <laughs> I mean, I'm open to negotiating. If I
0: can't have but you, no one should. You said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right though. You're right. No, apparently we can't. What can we automate at this point? There are there are things. There are things. But yeah, um the the real important, hard, difficult, complex, and painful things, mm-hmm. most of those are are not automatable.
1: I don't know how far into my notes to go because I don't know how far into the episode you made it. So I I'm kind of letting it. you take the lead with the notes.
0: Actually, I made it. The last thing note I wrote was body is present, pleasure in the body, brain goes dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have made it a little beyond that, but that's kind of what we're talking about here. But when I wrote that down, it was about something different. I don't know if that helps you figure out how far I am into your notes. <laughs> Do you have or did you make
1: it to the point where she talked about learned helplessness?
0: Nope.
1: Okay. Then we'll save that. Yeah, we're
0: definitely going to have to do a two-parter because you know how I feel about learned helplessness. I do.
1: And I need to tell you that I, I never really understood. I had a definition sure. of it that I still think is right, but missed something that you were trying to get at that she talks about.
0: And I think where I really got into it was in the burnout book- -hmm. Because they describe in depth that that experiment with the mice, Mm -hmm. and for me having that visual in my mind was what really made it click for me.
1: I feel like that's the example that she gives in the episode. I don't think that she mentions that it comes from that book.
0: No, well, it doesn't come from that book. That that is like a, I mean, exclusively from Mm -hmm. that book. That's like the groundbreaking study that that developed this. She references Theory that. of learned helplessness. That's What everybody... I always
1: thought of, and we won't go too deep into this, but I feel like I've got to at least say it now because yeah. we've We're circled around it. it so much. Um, I just always thought of like a child who never learns to do this thing or that thing mm. because they've always got a parent doing mm-hmm. it for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in than, that context, yeah. I never really totally understood when you would talk about learned helplessness.
0: But I do now now, and it it makes things just really fall into place and click, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And you know what it also makes me think about um generational trauma mm-hmm. and how trauma affects our DNA, and that is a form of learned helplessness mm-hmm. in in a way or it's or it's like similar to that, in that um I was reading an article that talked about families with autoimmune disorders are likely to have a descend be descendants from a part of Europe where the sm- where the small where the plague was mm-hmm. maybe it was the black plague is that and that's different from smallpox somewhere where, where there was some bad shit happening the body developed this autoimmune response to survive this pandemic illness and it changed their DNA and that is why they survived but now unfortunately it has prevented their DNA from expressing things that they need to or that's only helpful under certain circumstances mm-hmm. and those circumstances aren't around anymore. Right. Just like attachment theory, just like any of this other shit, it's not a it's not a one size fits all cure or treatment. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing either. It's not a completely defunct and useless strategy either. It's just it has to be applied under the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that's learned helplessness. It helped these rats survive because they learned to stop getting electrocuted. But then, even when the threat wasn't there anymore, they stopped trying to live Mm -hmm. or live outside of the confines of their miserable existence because they had automated it. Mm -hmm. And that makes so much sense with when it comes to economic struggles and barriers of all kinds, whether it's it's physical barriers, emotional barriers, mm-hmm. for people with disabilities, or...
1: That's really the crux of what I was missing. Because what you're describing is learned helplessness that develops from fear. Right. And what I was imagining was learned helplessness that develops from privilege. Mm.
0: And so that's
1: why when you would talk about it, I knew what you were saying, but I also was like, I don't know if that's exactly it, but there's a dual definition and I just met you on your page. (laughs) I was a few pages
0: behind. Thanks again, Hillary. I'm on your page now. Hillary, Caitlin, we love you. Mm -hmm. You are just embodying us to each other as well. Um, I wrote something here where she just says, we always blame the body. When in doubt, blame the body. Vilify the body. It's the body's fault.
1: Did you arrive at the part where she talks about um, women putting each other down yes. or putting I, themselves down? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do, did. I write that when they're with each other. Yes. As a way of forming connection. Yes. It made me think of that scene in Mean Girls where they're all looking in the mirror. She's like, my hairline is messed up. Yes. My nail beds are terrible. I hate my shoulders. I have really bad
0: breath in the morning. <laughs> yes, no, I she I her she said that, and I'm trying to see if I can find my note on it. But that's part of that. Always blame the body. Right. It, it, Even as a source of connecting with people. Oh, here, disavowing your body, knowing your bodily knowing to make other people more comfortable. Mm-hmm. That was also part of that. Is like cutting myself off from my body and saying oh well you know i'm not that smart right. or whatever the cutting mark is because we want to make the other person feel comfortable and how that's in multiple ways i can think of why we do that and it and it coming back to this if we're seeing someone that is supposed to be responsible for our safety and we see them in distress because we know that that babies look to their caregivers for for signs of safety mm-hmm. and for clues on whether or not they should be scared or or whatever. If you see your caregiver in, in distress, then one thing that we know from attachment theory is certain people and certain dynamics can take on the responsibility of regulating their caregiver's emotions for them mm-hmm. in order to survive and and have this a, a safe place and in, in peace and harmony. And then also if we see our care, but if we see our caregivers in distress and they deny that distress it's also fucking us up because mm-hmm. we're going oh well i could have sworn that this person was upset and now i can't trust my instincts and then it also teaches us that it is our responsibility to make other people feel better mm-hmm. and when we're making ourselves we're acknowledging ourselves and our wholeness and our and ourselves that it will result in somebody else feeling a certain type of way about themselves and that's my responsibility mm-hmm. when it's not. It's like I am responsible for holding you accountable in a way that is respectful. I am not responsible for the way you react to it. Yep. It's very along the lines of that. And isn't that just a form of learned helplessness? Mm-hmm. Maybe she was about to get to that too. Maybe I like just stopped before she starts talking about it. I don't know. But that's a trait that we've developed in order to survive, right? Because we need to figure out who am I going to connect with? Am I going to connect with myself or am I going to connect with my network, my people? And if I can't be connected with myself and it also be safe for me to connect with other people, like if being myself makes other people Shy away from me, then I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. because I need other people to survive. And it's true, we do mm-hmm. to a degree. And that being then why we do the thing where we minimize our own achievements or we put ourselves down or even give other people credit for our own work because we want to maintain that relationship over the relationship with ourselves.
1: Yeah. If we worked at creating a reality in which you don't have to deny yourself Mm -hmm. in order to connect with other people, Mm -hmm. that would be the self-actualization of humanity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This goes back to something I wrote down from the very beginning, though, when Glennon is asking, like, is it safe to be embodied if your body isn't actually safe? It's not, is it safe? It's where is it safe? Mm -hmm. Where is it safe to be embodied? Who has earned the privilege of witnessing my embodiment? Because to me, embodiment is also vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And who has earned the right to my vulnerability? Who has earned the right to the full gamut of my loyalty? Who has earned the right to the top tier of friendship?
1: It's interesting because it's simultaneously being vulnerable and also –
0: Confident. Not, yeah. Yeah. And that's when what you were saying earlier about being embodied and in, in it conjuring up this image of something. And I thought you were gonna say of someone that, that's confident mm-hmm. and and to put together and like on top of it and just you and were talking extent, about it peaceful and all yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But just like somebody who is fully together. Yes.
0: Zen and and mm-hmm. and all that. To me, thinking about embodiment sounds powerful and it sounds brave and it sounds confident Mm -hmm. and it sounds like I'm unapologetic Mm -hmm. and I don't – even still, I don't necessarily associate vulnerability with that. Yeah. But it's kind of the same. Who has earned the right to witness my full embodiment? I was hoping you would provide me with an answer there. I have to
1: experience it for myself before I can know – Who else deserves to to experience it? You know what I mean? I think it's hard to know because we haven't even let ourselves pull back the veil.
0: Man, and you know, this just really deepens my empathy for people who don't physically feel anything related to emotions Mm -hmm. or have just spent their lives – We just paused this because Justin just brought me a grilled cheese sandwich, and that was just really sweet. It smells really good, too. Man, now I'm all – what was I even fucking talking about? I'm overcome with – I'm overwhelmed with a sense of being cared for. Warm fuzzies. Warm fuzzies Mm -hmm. coming
1: because really – is there bacon on this sandwich? Oh, I think there is. bacon on this sandwich. It was incredibly sweet. (laughs)
0: Anyway, hopefully Justin skips this episode. <laughs> um, yeah. If I if I'm not comfortable, oh, and in it and it making me feel a certain type of way and have a lot more empathy for people who just physically have spent their lives not feeling their feelings. Mm-hmm. And for me, that wasn't an option. And for them, feeling them wasn't an option. And embodying being this incredibly scary or impossible thing, and mm-hmm. her talking about that—that that the disassociation is not necessarily a bad thing. It has helped us survive. The problem then is, though, if we if when we jump back in and become embodying embodied. All of those feelings, physical and emotional, come flooding back, and then we're like, "Oh fuck, nope, 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 mm-hmm. back out, and yeah, in and out, and in and out, and abort, abort, uh, right?" Like this is, wait a minute, it's not. It, I now I remember why I did this. It's mm-hmm. not safe to be in my body. It's not safe to feel these things. If we can do it in a way that we slowly get through it, mm-hmm. that's the only way that it really resolves, and that that the body stores the trauma. And it the body keeps the score the body keeps the score, the body remembers that's a book too, I think that um I was looking at recently. But conflict is similar or parallel to slowly feeling the pain. hmm because the only way that pain goes away is if we work through it. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away, putting it in a box and putting it in the back of the closet for the rest of our lives doesn't make it go away, numbing, disassociating. Mm -hmm. It makes the sensation go away, but it doesn't actually resolve the the source. We just have to ride it out. And learning how to sit with that discomfort is kind of the overarching thing of embodiment. Mm -hmm. And how do I sit with the fear of the fall off the cliff. How do I acknowledge the fear of that and be okay with it? Because it's important, but it's also not going to keep me from living my life. Mm-hmm. And um, her talking about how difficult it is to be connected to your physical body, right? And Glennon talked about my physical parts don't know how to be in the future or the past.
1: I loved that.
0: And Of course, then I thought, if your physical, though, if your physical parts can remember or can know how to be in the past, but it's only the pain. Mm -hmm. Our body remembers pain more than any of these other things. If I were to think right now what it feels like to experience a warm hug versus what it feels like to... Have a stabbing menstrual cramp. I can tell you which one of them that I could be much more likely to drum up in my body than really? the other. Yeah, like I could practically feel it. If you th- thats
1: interesting. I don't know if that's universally true.
0: Oh, that's just like another weird, crazy mental thing that I can do. I'm not saying like I can. I can actually make myself feel it like right now. No, I, command, know. I know. But like,
1: but I when you said that, I thought that the hug was the easier one.
0: No. And we, I
1: don't think that that's where you were going. No.
0: It's not. I can remember if my body knows how to exist in the past, it's it, it only knows the pain mm-hmm. of the past. It's harder for it to access the sensory feeling of the good stuff mm-hmm. because that's how our brains work. Yeah. And that's fucked up and I don't like it. She talked one the last thing I want to the last thing I want to go over is her talking about you can't be completely cut off from your physical body because that's also where your connection to loving is. And Mm -hmm. like, I can't necessarily love someone with my mind. I make my, I I show my love physically by hugging or, you know, holding, touching Mm -hmm. somehow holding hands or whatever it is. That physical sensation is how I connect with people and show them my love. And isn't, it makes me think of how physical affection as a love language or a trigger. And when we talked about the love language episode, we talked about how men are this stereotypically physical affection is their number one love language because, and wondering if that's because it's the only time that they're allowed to be comfortable
1: Mm
0: -hmm. in those feelings. And it, Then made me think of the people that I know, some of them men, who physical affection is gross for them. Gives them the icks. The icks. Again, because feeling those sensations hasn't always been associated with love. And that's not to say that it's been like abuse or anything, although I suppose it could be that as well. But It could be just
1: totally foreign.
0: Yeah, and just – Exactly. Totally foreign. Mm -hmm. We didn't hug. We weren't huggers. Our family's not huggers. And if if something is uncomfortable and I don't like the feeling, Mm -hmm. then I'm just going to avoid it. Right. But then also wonder why I'm not getting the connection with people that I want or why this experience isn't as fulfilling or why specific experiences, are the only time that I feel fulfilled, but I can't connect with them on any deeper level. It's Mm -hmm. only within this certain plane of physical, superficial interactions. And it made me think of a conversation I'd had with someone because she talks about I've never felt an orgasm anywhere other than my body. Mm -hmm. And that made me think about a conversation that I'd had with someone about like, During orgasm, what goes on in your brain? And they were like, nothing. It's like white noise. Like there's – it's all in my body. Mm -hmm. And that making a lot of sense, especially why for this person who spends a lot of time in their head and cutting themselves off from their body – why that moment, that specific circumstances moment is- Like a reprieve. Yeah. Or an outlet mm-hmm. or an embodiment for them. hmm Because that's the only time that they can experience it. Maybe that's the only time their brain shuts off.
1: So this brings me to a question that can be either G-rated or not- mm depending on where you'd like to go with it. Where or when do you think that you feel the most embodied? And because I'm not a person that just springs hard questions on people. (laughs) If you want some time to think about it, I can tell you mine. Okay. Because I was thinking about this as I was listening to the episode. Okay. And I feel like... When you have spent a whole day swimming, it's hot outside, you're in the water, whether you're at the beach or in a swimming pool, you're using your full body from your head to your toes in the water, you're, there's a level of physicality mm-hmm. that you don't always experience in your everyday life. So, you get out of the water, you're tired, mm. but it's this the good delighted, time. gooey tired. Mm-hmm. And then you take a nice, delicious nap. <laughs> like, just you can picture this day from start to finish. Yes. That I think would be my answer to what feels the most embodying, or when do you feel the most mm. embodied? And there's also a level of like, especially if you're in the lake or in the ocean, you feel connected Mm -hmm. to something natural Mm -hmm. or maybe even sort of primitive, Mm -hmm. ancestral. Mm
0: -hmm. So my initial thought was I feel the most embodied when I am working as a part of a team Mm -hmm. and connecting with other people, which is kind of a fucked up way to be embodied. And then- though, the more I was thinking about it, that's more emotional Mm -hmm. than physical for me. And I don't think I know what circumstances or what environment would be peak embodiment, Mm -hmm. what that would even feel like. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give that a think. I'm going to have a think. Mm -hmm. And how about anyone who's listening, you have a think. And if you would like to Give us some ideas on embodiment and what that feels like and looks like for you, you can email us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a direct message on Instagram at we can do pod things with underscores between the words. And that wraps up this episode. We're likely to come back next week with more. Hopefully you like it. If not blessings on your day. (laughs) This is Annalise. And Emily. And this has been We Can Do Pod Things.